Welcome to the podcast, Legal Pawns, spotlighting how the American justice system uses its citizens for a game of greed, political gain, and control. We are here to educate, empower, and facilitate change through truth and facts. Hello out there in podcast world. We have a great show planned for you today. We are going to be talking to Jay from Inside Out. He is coming from Washington State. We're going to be talking about COVID today. And we're also going to be covering the Prison Lawyer Handbook. So before we begin, just some current numbers for you so you can understand how COVID is hitting our prison system. First, we're going to be talking about Washington State. And currently in Washington State, according to the Bureau of uh, Washington State Department of Corrections on 12-21-20, their current numbers are confirmed cases, 3,385, active cases, 2,148, deaths, they have four, To give you perspective, um, it's a little difficult to get accurate numbers for the prison population in Washington state, but the current prison population approximately is 17,421. The cases in Washington state are hitting the age range of 26 to 40. And They are looking at currently, they say they have tested 7,709. They've had 3,385 positive results and pending lab results are 90. Nationwide, according to PBS, one in five prisoners has had COVID and there has been over 17,000 deaths. By December the 15th, 276,235 people in prison tested positive and at least 1,738 nationwide have died. And again, we say approximate because as Jay and I will get into, not uh, they're not very forthcoming with the information through the Bureau of Prisons. So welcome to the show, Jay. Do those numbers surprise you? No, not at all. And uh, I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to be part of this great show. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Uh, I try to branch myself out, as you probably know, with other platforms and whatnot. And just for your guys' viewers, before we get into the meat and potatoes of uh, this broadcast here tonight, I just want everybody to know that I do belong to uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. I think I sent the links to you in your broadcast here. Uh, if you can uh, share those links to your viewers and whatnot so they can follow me, it would be greatly appreciated for you and them as well. Yes, those links are going to be on legalponds.org as as well as a transcript of this entire conversation. Um, So Jay, tell us a little about about you and what your links are, what you are doing with those. No, absolutely. And I appreciate that. Thank you for the question. Uh, Basically, what I do is I'm a prison activist. Uh, I do a podcast every Sunday at 6.30 p.m. uh, Pacific Standard Time right here in Washington State. And uh, I speak about the uh, corruption and all of the mishaps, if you will, all the negativities, if you will, uh, that are going on inside prisons. Uh, I also be the voice for the voiceless. And basically that's why the title is Voices from Inside Out. Because 
you know, the inmates don't get a chance to uh, speak their mind, even though they have a right to free speech and all that. Uh, the DOC or Department of Corrections shut their voices down a lot, more than we realize. And uh, it takes people like us, me and you, and other activists to be their voice and do what's right by the system. And uh, I, I, I will not stop, uh, regardless of how many haters I have and whatnot that I have, and I will continue to be the voice of those inmates because they need to have their voice heard, especially what's going on inside prisons. So that's, in a nutshell, that's what I do. I, I have a podcast. I talk about prisons. I talk about the corruption. I talk about the uh, Department of Corrections or DOC or better known as Department of Corruption. <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of put it out there in a nutshell. I'm raw, uncut, and unbiased. We were talking, as you heard the intro, about the, all of the numbers, and I said to the effect that it's the best we can get. Are you running into the same issue with inaccurate numbering? Uh, they're not reporting correctly, not just about the numbers, but everything in particular? <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, and I take it you got that off the Department of Corrections website, correct? Um, I got some of the numbers off the Department of uh, Corrections website as far as Washington State. Um, yes. The one thing I do want to bring up is that I listened to your podcast the other day, uh, the one that you recorded three days ago uh, regarding the Department of Corrections. Yes. And you had reported that there was no numbers for Monroe. And I am happy to say, uh, with a tongue-in-cheek, that they are reporting Monroe Correctional Complex has 55 cases with one death. Oh, wow. Interesting. Because that was uh, just, like I said, a few days ago when I did that up update. Um, yeah, I just want, for, for the viewers and for you, just mm -hmm. to put it out there bluntly, <clears throat> I want everybody to know that Department of Corrections webpage is not 100% accurate. And those numbers will not be true and, and forthcoming. Uh, the information that I get, of course, is from other activists that I, I'm hooked up with, including my own locked up loved one that's in Monroe and gives me all the inside information that DLC will not do for whatever reason. Uh, and you're correct. I'm looking at when I went on to and if anybody would like to substantiate this, it's www.doc.wa.gov. And. I yes. was looking at each and every single prison, and there are a lot of prisons that have nothing reported whatsoever. That's a hard thing to believe because, again, from a prison aspect, there is no such thing as uh, six feet apart. There's no – I mean, they. yes, some are wearing masks. And now, again, I don't know if all the prisons here in Washington State are getting the chance to wear masks. But I do – I'm hooked up with, like I said before, uh, other activists that are trying to change that to where they at least get two masks per inmate. That way they can wash one and keep one on and, and flip them just like you would do your laundry and stuff of that nature. And plus on top of that, if I may say this bluntly, uh, they don't get enough cleaning supplies such as soaps and uh, hand sanitizer in there either. Uh, and that needs to be looked at and changed to a certain extent. Because again, like I said, the prisons are ran by us, the taxpayers, and they bring in, Buccal amount of money yearly or annually, and uh, it, they always tell us it's not in the budget. We can't afford soap and other cleaning agencies. Uh, that's a crock, and we all know that. So I've heard every excuse that DLC wants to use. Um, they have a right to have soap and cleaning supplies. It's just the way it is. 
It is. It is. I don't know if you have seen, and this just came to my attention from um, the last interview I did. Um, there is a group called Worth Rises, and that's W-O-R-T-H, Rises. They just put out the largest handbook I've ever seen, and it's called The Prison Industry, How It Started, How It Works, and How It Harms. Wow, okay. Um, I will send you over the link to that. The link will also be again on our webpage. I appreciate um, that. Yes. And I think that, you know, with the general population out there, uh, I, I really don't think they understand what the prison system looks like, how much money is involved in this. Oh man. Just, I got a number for if you're, I got a number for if your followers and viewers want to hear the number. We absolutely want all the details that you have. Well, let me speak on that while it's fresh in my mind. And uh, like I said, I don't, I don't have the data in front of me, but it's in it's in my mind. I've done shows on mm -hmm. it before. Not, uh, let's see, 2019, last year's data, and I don't have 2020's data yet because I don't think it's out yet. 2019's data of the amount of tax dollars going into the system as a whole reached a $200 billion. That's wow. $200 billion with a B, not million billion and that's all of our tax dollars you know funding the the uh, system as a whole and it's a it's a it you it would make you upset if you found out what or or, or all that money went you know it doesn't it doesn't go to anything that's supposed to go to it it just goes into somebody's pockets well i'm just flipping through this as you're speaking and i just flipped to one page alone one of the things that and we'll get back to COVID, i promise um, yeah. But one of the things that I flipped to in this book was one of the misconceptions is about education in our prison system and how much education and free education our prisoners are getting at the taxpayer dollar, that they're able Absolutely. to get their masters and doctorates and right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, just so you know, an annual education spending per person in federal prison, according to this document, is $868 per person. Now, Does I that surprise you? I actually think it's overinflated, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, <laughs> but $868. I want to know where in the world you can go to school at for $868. The last time I went to school, and we won't talk about that, but the last time I went to school. <laughs> Fair enough. But, no, no, we don't go into that. Uh, my textbooks alone were almost 3000 So. Yeah. It's almost like, and I hate to use this term because of the political climate we're in, but it's almost like the prison industry, the criminal justice industry does do false news. Um, so that <laughs> well, Believe it or not, if I can say this bluntly, and I might offend a few viewers, but hey, it is what it Go is. That's ahead. how I am. I, I don't sugarcoat nothing here on these shows. Um no, the uh, prison system itself is basically they make their own stuff up as they go. I don't know if you know that. The, 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 the DOC is like they make they're above the law in some cases, and, and believe it or not. Um, and I've seen it all because I'm not just an activist. I'm a former inmate myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've seen what it goes. I've seen what it's like inside the walls. You know, I've seen the hype, the political standpoint, uh, you know, the just everything from the inmates uh, attitudes to the DOC's attitudes. You'd be amazed what happens in there. And again, the public's eye don't see none of that. It takes people like us to expose it. 
You know, I want to address, um, for some reason, in our in our justice system and in our public, when somebody yes. says, I am, you know, a former inmate or I am a former, you know, whatever, I was in the system, they automatically turn off, tune out. And I think that for somebody who's been in the trenches, um, that they are the ones that have the biggest voice because... It's not a vendetta. It's not a, I'm angry at the system and I'm coming after it. Right. Showing that, you know, the problem is this is what's going on and you guys aren't seeing it. Um, It's no different than somebody who suffered child abuse or who suffered rape or who suffered, uh, you know, any other crime. And they turn around and instead of being angry with the system, they say, I want to make a difference in the system. I don't want right. my fellow human beings, even if they were guilty or not guilty, it doesn't matter. I don't want my fellow human wow. being to suffer. Wow. And you hit that right on the nail. And again, that's what, uh, to me, from what I've seen since I've started doing this, uh, the DOC, Department of Corrections, is afraid of that, is afraid of people like us. But, mm-hmm. And I'm, that's real fact. The DOC and other individuals don't like people like us coming out here in the public's eye or wherever we're at, whether it's platforms like this or in person, face-to-face. And we talk about the truth and spill the beans. And boy, do you get a, just anything nowadays, people are afraid of the truth. I don't know if you know that. And when people are afraid of the truth, that kind of makes you kind of like, what, why, why are you afraid of the truth? You'd think you'd be more, you know, happy depending on the subject matter of what the truth is instead of something hiding it. It, it makes it doesn't make any sense to me. And man, I, I get my fair share amount of haters, and I'm pretty sure you probably have too. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing this type of uh, subject matter, people don't want to hear this stuff. And I my, I always ask myself, why? What are you afraid of? What's the big secret? You will hear me say this um, for the audience. They'll hear me say this throughout many podcasts. We are not condoning crime. We are not saying that somebody who committed the crime should not do the time. We are not saying that at all. Um, If you've committed a crime, absolutely. If you are guilty, you should serve that time. Absolutely. You should serve it in a humane way. There's, you know, the treatment that is being given to these prisoners is, in a lot of cases, inhumane and the perception that the public has of what's going on in these prisons and how, you know, it's, it's a cakewalk. It's they, you know, you've heard the well, saying three hots in a cot, those three right. hots, the dog would need them. Right. No. And, and being that you spoke on that, and I'm glad you opened that door because I want to say this, if I may, Go right ahead. Um, uh, the, Okay, let, I'm trying to put it in words people can understand because people don't understand this stuff. And it's just, it's a lot, it's easy. Um, Department of Corrections stands for just that, Department of Corrections. Correct, do your time, and get out. But when I say Department of Corruption, it's not just the word corruption because, you know, the definition of corruption, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the Department of Corrections is supposed to, what we're supposed to do, that's what how it's been designed, is to correct the inmate, make it to where they do not come back and stop the revolving door from a prison aspect and empty the prisons and not instead of keeping them full. Now, again, keep in mind, 
I know I'm trending off here. Um, the prison beds are like a bank account. A full bed is more money for the prisons. An empty bed, no money. So an inmate with a DOC number on their shirt is like a bank account number. They're just a warm body. They they bring money. They It's a profitable, multi-million dollar business. And an empty prison doesn't make any money off of these inmates. So they'll do what they can to try to keep them in there, even though it's supposed to be correct them and get them out. Do your time and go home. But we don't really see that anymore nowadays. You don't see go home. You see, oh, if you're going to get out, you'll be back. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what happened mm-hmm. to me. When I got released out the gate, the DOC officer looked right at me and said, see you later. You'll be back. And I'm like, okay. And I left. I haven't been back since. And that's a testament just for myself as a whole. I haven't been back. So I proved that officer wrong. These officers... Yes, but I agree. If you look at the numbers, the numbers are staggering. And again, we're going back to an interview I did um, before. And that interview was, if you are treating somebody inhumanely who already has an anger issue, who already has an authority issue, who already has issues, you're treating Mm -hmm. them inhumanely. And for a period of time that they can't escape it, it's only going to compound the problem and not help the problem. Absolutely. And, and until the program or DOC understands that nothing's going to change. And it, we come back to, as you know, we've seen before huge corporations making huge amounts of money. Um, profits. Yep. profits. So let's go back to COVID what um, and Washington state. And um, I'm sure you know of what's going on in the other States as far as COVID what is yeah. happening in the prison system? Um, these are staggering numbers. One in five prisoners are have had COVID. Right. Well, as you know, it's not getting any better. And in, in a prison setting, it, it just can't. It, look, the, the virus itself is getting in there by the staff, not just the inmates themselves. All right. I want to put that out there so everybody knows. The staff members, the DOC uh, staff members are bringing it in too. And uh, they're trying to combat that situation. They're trying to give the DOC officers a testing and whatnot before they even enter the prisons. But uh, they're still getting in, and they're trying to work out a system, a better system, if you will, to try to combat uh, the virus. But mm-hmm. if you're already sick and you haven't been tested, how do you know you have it? And then if you do have it, you're spreading it. And a lot of these DOC uh, officers have been seen on camera uh, not wearing masks and we're supposed to wear them out here. Why can't they wear them in there? And that's why I was saying earlier, the DOC is above the law. They think they're better than all of us and they don't have to do what the state tells them to do or what the laws tell them to do. And I don't have a lot of respect for DOC as a whole on that. You know, they can help by stop the spread by wearing the mask like we have to. Exactly. And if you look at the numbers it's really scary for those individuals who are working in prisons. Um, they're going yes. into their families um, mm-hmm. and they're going out into the public. Yep. So it's, it's really scary for them. I know that the latest research that I was looking at, as far as when, are they going to be able to get vaccines? Uh, only six states so far have put in their 
proposal to the government on how they're going to distribute the vaccine. That's not um, surprising. Yes, that have recommended that the prison system, uh, DOC, um, employees be vaccinated first. The rest right. of the states uh, that have turned in their drafts so far are making it second tier. So, oh, wow. yeah, second tier that we're looking at, um, last I heard, maybe you have different information, but was the end of summer. Um, so if one <laughs> and in after five, tax dollars at work right there. Yeah. And one in five prisoners currently have it by the end of next summer. It's going to be really? even scarier for them. So in the meantime, while we're sitting waiting for next summer, just imagine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's only made, it's being, uh, given to people like from an important standpoint right now, um, mm-hmm. like nurses and, um, just important people, the, the public, First I don't line, think it received. Yes. So um, I, don't th- I don't think prisons have received it yet. And then again, like you said, we can be looking at that until next summer. The big issue that we have is with the COVID in the prison system is that people are not able to stay home like we are. They are right. in general population. They yep. are lacking the resources for cleanliness. Um, right. If, um, you know, the trays, things like that are not sanitized as mm-hmm. well as they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, linens, you know, they're, they're notorious for not having the most clean way of doing a sanitizing of the laundry system. Right. So all of that is just factoring in. And then let's talk about the medical system in the prison system. Everybody okay. believes that it is, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people believe it is this unbelievable, you know, great system that they can get help whenever they need it. (laughs) That's false. Explain to me the, what you know of the medical system in the prison. How about that? Absolutely. Uh, The medical staff, if you will, or the system as a whole is um, nothing like you would see in your standard everyday professional hospitals. Um, It's downgraded majorly from a hospital setting. So I'm pretty sure all of us has been one way or another in the, inside of a hospital and know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, hospital staff members and what they look like. In order to be a doctor or something from a medical field, you have to have a certain amount of college education under your belt. And uh, when it comes to these uh, staff members inside the uh, prisons, they're just interns. They're basically brand new individuals just out of college, if you will, that mm-hmm. barely have any really any experience. There is no good doctor in there that can say that's a you know highly recommended doctor in there. Um, like, for example, I'm not going to mention names due to, uh, you know, privacy issues, but right now I'm dealing with a friend that's locked up in, in this county jail here in Benton County. Uh, he's got diabetes. He's lost one leg already. He's blind in one eye. Um, he's in a wheelchair. And he's got, not to gross your viewers out, but he's got this pus coming out of his toes on the other one that's not been cut off yet. Excuse my French. And the Department of Corrections there at the jail is not giving him accurate medical care. And he's put kites in and requested that he be seen by a doctor now, ASAP. And they're denying him. And he's just in there for, uh, and he's just in there for a violation for a restraining order. Petty. It, that, that's, that, that just goes to show you right there that the system itself don't care. They're above the law. They, they think they're faking it. 
I've heard, I heard, I've heard it all. You know, I had a problem with myself when I was uh, inside. I needed some help from a medical standpoint. Uh, didn't know what it was at the time until I got out here and got it diagnosed. But in there, they couldn't tell me what it was. No doctor in there can tell you what your problem is. They, they always think you're faking it. And uh, until that part gets changed, until the system as a whole gets changed, we're not going to see anything. We're going to see cases, more cases like this day in and day out of people not getting um, uh, taken care of in there. People have died in there due to a lack of medical care. People have died of diabetes, heart attacks, strokes. The laundry list goes on and on. And the medical does not know what they're doing. They don't even know how to give out the meds correctly. And that's a sad, sad situation. So you mentioned kipes. Explain to the audience what a kipe is. It's basically like a little piece of paper that you can write down uh, your request of what you're requesting. And you got to send it, either give it to the DOC officer at his security desk, or you got to put it in the mail bot or like the mail slot where the kites go and eventually it'll get answered. While you're sitting there hurting, you'll see medical when it's when it's time to be called out for medical. Basically, it's protocol. You got to go by step by step by step, and you write down your issues and your dilemma that you have on the kite. If you get heard, you get heard. If you don't, oh well. Then you then you got to write another one. That's that's how bad it is. Now, if you're dying, you'll be you'll be um, hard pressed to think that you're going to get seen by somebody. That's really scary. And that's your tax dollars at work right there. So it's not like the movies where you get the best of care. So, okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, I wish I could say that. <laughs> and now we're dealing, and then add on top of that COVID. So, right. Boy, and they're not getting taken care of in there with that either. So it's just going to be a, it's going to be a bigger gigantic mess than if it's not already. So by your understanding, what's happening if somebody is um, diagnosed with COVID in the prison population there in Washington state, what are they doing? Are they putting them in solitary? Are they just leaving them in general population? What's going on? It's a mixed bag. Um, if I can say this uh, fairly, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the uh, DOC staff, keep in mind, like I said, the, the prisons themselves here in Washington state are not hospitals and they will not act like a hospital. So keep that in mind as I go along here. Um, if you have a, an infected or an inmate that's got COVID, they'll put you in the hole or segregation and put you in there where, because again, they don't have the room or the space to put you in a hospital bed or a doctor bed or something of that, of that nature. Cause the medical staff, um, uh, wing is only a certain size and you can only hold a certain amount of individuals that are sick, uh, you know, or whatever it may be. So they bring these guys in because the prisons themselves, as you know, are constantly moving. Newbies are coming in, old ones are going out. It, there's constant, you know, uh, buses uh, coming in from other places. So the thing is, they don't really have a good plan on how to combat the virus itself. Yeah, they're wearing masks. Some aren't, some is. And yeah, there's hand sanitizer in there and whatnot. But, it, 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 you know, it gets used a lot. So it gets empty a lot. And to request a brand new bottle is like pulling teeth. You know, it, it's it's always something. So that's where they do put the inmates is in the hole until they're better. And then once they're better or they, you know, been tested and it comes back negative, then it can go back out to uh, general population. It, it, it just depends on your uh, staff and what they want to do. But right now, that's from what I was told from inside information. Uh, that's what they're putting people in. The, the prison in my state right now, a lot of them in a ways are under quarantine right now. 
And just so everybody understands, when somebody is put into solitary confinement mm-hmm. and they leave, they have been COVID positive. They're, they've been into this small cell, no simulation whatsoever, no TV, no, you know, they cannot talk to anybody else. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, so that is very true. It's so you're sick and you're stuck in this place with nothing to do. Um, no right. interaction with anybody. R- and when you leave it, guess who gets to clean it? Another prisoner. Right. Uh, what they call porter. So another, yeah. Pr- yeah, porter, another prisoner comes in where you've been infected and cleans it and then goes back out into general population. Absolutely. And you get, and I can't clarify if the porter himself is, you know, dolled up or protected to where he can't get it. So I don't know. I can't verify that. But I do know that my locked up loved one is wearing a mask. I've seen him. So, mm-hmm. but it just, it depends on the situation as a whole. You know, DOC staff, like I said, will either make you wear a mask or they will not make you wear a mask. It just depends on the staff. There is also some prisons where, um, well, a lot of prisons right now where you cannot go you cannot have a visitor. So nope. they have not seen their loved ones for a many, many months, just like some it's all on, it's all online to verify that real quick. It's all online to visit. The issue with that is that it's still costing money. The cost yep. to have a video conference, a phone yep. call or a text is expensive. And some right. families cannot afford that. Um, so right. they are not able to see their loved one period or have communication with the outside. Well, what they started because of this virus, and I want to put this out there so there's no confusion, mm-hmm. in this state, and I don't know if all other states are doing this, but they are giving out free five-minute phone calls because because of the virus, and they are giving out free five-minute video chats on what we call JPay. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so you can see or talk to your uh, locked-up loved one, but it's timed, and of course it's monitored. And uh, it goes quick, so it's not really a good visit. But you get to see his face and ask a couple questions or what's going on and whatnot. But, hey, at least at, at least it's five minutes. Washington State is better than some of the other states I've been talking to then. And how often do you get to do this? Well, due to my scheduling and his scheduling, um, I don't get to do it much. But we do most of it on JPay emails and phone calls. So mm, from a face-to-face okay. contact, I don't do it much because of my scheduling. But we do do talk. And... So let's switch topics right now, and then we can wrap it all up and come back to this one in a prison lawyer handbook. Tell me about it. Basically, it's a 152-page book that explains how to file a lawsuit in county jail, state prisons, and federal prisons. Okay, and why wouldn't somebody who's in prison want to file a lawsuit? Sorry, I I had to chuckle there because I'm thinking of all the reasons why, but for the audience. (laughs) Well, just on some of the topics alone that we've touched on uh, is reasons enough right there. But uh, some people that I've talked to out here especially don't think that inmates or locked up loved ones, if you will, have any rights. I want to clarify real quick before I get into this book um, that they do. Um, Even locked up in prison, inmates have rights and they have, you know, the right to exercise these rights, even in a DOC type setting. So if there's some type of violation going on in there from DOC staff or another inmate or something along those lines, they can set themselves up for a possible lawsuit. You know, I, I, I guess the population, and I'm going to be the um, advocate for those that are 
just listening. Um, sure. Maybe are on the fence a little bit. But what about all my tax dollars that are going to all these stupid, frivolous lawsuits? That is the that is the thought that the general, you know, that the U.S. citizen could have is because that's what we have been told. All these, uh, you know, people are filing all these frivolous lawsuits because, you know, they they got two pairs of socks instead of three pairs of socks. Do you what is your experience? Is is this true? Not true? Well, from the from a lawsuit perspective, um, I'm just going to say this because I'm a former inmate, so I've seen my fair share of all the hype. Let me say this: the reason why lawsuits happen in there, and it's not because the inmates being big, uh, um, you know, rude or disrespectful or anything of that nature, or trying to be vindictive at with the state or federal. It's because they want all inmates. I don't care who you are, or what they're in there for all inmates deserve to be treated fairly. Okay. I can't stress that enough to your viewers mm-hmm. and everybody that's watching this right now or listening to this right now. All inmates, regardless of what they're in there for, deserve to be treated with a certain amount of respect in there. Now, if they, again, lawsuits happen because of the disrespect, uh, the violations, the, you know, I'm sorry to keep it. I'm not trying to be all rude and everything, but it's like this. I'll just be blunt. Rape happens in there. Sorry to say mm-hmm. that. So people have to sue because I got raped in there. Mm-hmm. Rape is not allowed in prison, but it happens all the time. So is other violent activities. So lawsuits happen because of those things. And DOC is supposed to do what they're supposed to do and stop that from happening. But I don't feel sorry that the state is being sued because they could have avoided it in the, in the whole entire process anyways. And, you, and the state wouldn't lose any money. So I understand the public's eye you know, is upset with that. I get that. But um, until the system itself gets reformed and fixed, lawsuits are going to continue to happen from the inmate perspective. And what are some of the other things that you've seen lawsuits for that are not frivolous? Well, like in inhumane uh, living conditions, uh, I did a show in, in Alabama when I was living in Florida, and they were dealing with uh, moldy uh, food trays, cockroaches, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, I mean, it sounds petty, but that all carries disease. People can get sick on that kind of stuff. And, um, it ne- prisons need to stay clean to a certain extent, you know? And, uh, even in the South, we have major problems with AC in, in this state, we have problems with heat cause it gets cold here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, 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 we just have a, it's a laundry list of things that causes lawsuits. I hope I am. I hope I answered your question fairly. <laughs> No, you did. Um, so is there any repercussions uh, to the prisoner when they file yep. these? Can there be repercussions? Absolutely, yes. There's what they call retaliation, and it does happen in there, and I can't stop it. But that's the thing that we're up against. You know, we got the families out here that are telling us that this is going on, that's going on inside prisons. And I said, well, if it's that bad and you got this and you got the evidence, do a lawsuit. Well, I'm worried about retaliation. Okay, well, look. I can't balance it all out. It's either you sue or they're going to get away with it and take the, the, take the retaliation as, Hey, it is what it is. We can't stop the retaliation, but keep in mind, retaliation in itself is against the law that can also be put in the lawsuit. So it's one way or another, the lawsuit's going to happen retaliation or not. Now, I've heard that um, to get this book into the prison system, sometimes it's uh, the prison system 
somehow loses it in the mail when it comes through the mail to the prisoner. Um, have you heard? Well, that's of... one excuse. Yeah, that's one excuse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to put it delicately. Um, no, I, I, no, I, I respect that. <laughs> um, but that it, it's very difficult sometimes to get this to the prisoner. Um, it, do you find that is true? That part is true, even though it's a kind of a lame ass excuse. Excuse my French. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but because you know, as the as you know, the mail. Let me break it down. Break, let me break it down like this to your viewers. Mail is federal. You know that. I know that. Mm -hmm. As soon as it walks in or gets delivered inside that prison door, it's no longer considered federal. Can you believe that? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of a sad, sad situation right there. Because then, if it was still federal inside the prison, imagine what we would have going on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because. Now the DOC, the Department of Corrections, owns that mail, and there's no federal federal ties, if you will, on that mail. So they get to call the shots on it. Now, yes, it is very true that this book, this 150-page book, has problems getting in there. And the excuses is, you name one of them, uh, is because DOC does not, just does not want the inmates to have this information. Why? Because it's very truthful and telling and it teaches them how to file a lawsuit against DOC and DOC does not want you to know those secrets. So that's why they avoid it. So they come up with excuses uh, to not let them have it. It's basically considered legal mail. I have also heard that, and you can correct this if you are, tell me if you've not heard this, from sure. somebody else who is an advocate, that a lot of times this book, whoever gets it, if they do get it, actually receive it, they're put on a list um, called a watch list of uh, problematic prisoners. So they <laughs> could be... Yes, that they could. So problematic prisoners are the ones that when they are assigned a job, they get the, you know, scrub the toilets out in the, you know, and or other <laughs> things happen to them. You know, they don't get to go. They accidentally don't get their time out on the yard, things like close that. En close enough. No, you're absolutely right. Yes. And uh, the mailroom itself in a prison setting has been sued multiple times for violating the inmates right to mail let me say this real quick and it's in the book and i'm going to quote this book mm -hmm. and again if your viewers want this book and i don't know if i sent you the link and if i didn't i apologize no you i will didn't. send it to you send it to you a little bit later but you can download this off of google just type in as you see uh, here jailhouse lawyer handbook and you can download it from a pdf file setting and then you can print it off again it, it uses a lot of ink so be prepared for that because it like i said it's 152 pages long both sides front and back pages um but to get to what i was saying uh there's a section in here i want to um quote off the book real quick inside this book there's a section in here where it says if the inmate has uh you know enough evidence or cause to file a lawsuit this is one of them right here because we're talking about the mail, and it says it right here in black and white. And it says this, censorship or extremely limited mail, uh, phone or visit privileges. If DOC staff members are doing just what I read off there, that constitutes a setup for a lawsuit for that inmate. That inmate can sue or file a lawsuit under that just right there itself. And there's more steps, but that's just one because we're talking about the mail. Wow. The inmates, believe it or not, if I may say this, the, the inmates have a right to have mail. 
how much is each prison has different rules or settings on that protocols, but they are, they have a right to have their mail, especially if it's labeled on their legal mail, they can't even touch it. They can't even open it. They have to give it to the inmate. Then the inmate has to open up in front of them and look inside, but they can't read the material. Supposedly. They do, but uh, yes. <laughs> right. I said supposedly. Uh, right, but, but I'm just I'm just saying because yes. you know even though that's the that's the rule or law they're supposed to do, they don't. Yes, yes. And so, where did this book come from? Is it updated with the you know newest laws? Where does this come from? Um, the editors, real quick, if I'll, because it, it, it's overwhelming. This book is a lot of information, so bear with me. The the it's like a little note from the editors, and I don't know if this is the people that put this on or not. Her name is Rachel Mir Mirapol, I think I said that right. And then there's another person named Ian Head. I know these sounds funny names, but that's in the in the front page or the second page of this book. I'll tell you what, it's hard to show your viewers because of the way we're set up right now. But mm -hmm. if they go to, uh, you know, jailhouselaw.org or jailhouselawyerhandbook.org, they can see mm -hmm. that and they can see who it, who wrote it up. I apologize. I don't have it in front of me right now. It's just. Um, <laughs> That's OK. That's all right. I um, actually will have the link at legalponds.org so people awesome. can go right onto it. And um, I yeah, highly recommend it. Perfect. So thoughts, we're going to wrap this up. And so give me your, some of your final thoughts and, you know, what you're looking at right now, what you're focusing on. Sure. Well, as of right now, as you know, um, being a prison activist, uh, my job is uh, dang near every day. Uh, it's almost like a 24 hour job, if you will, but I don't get paid for this. This is all volunteer work. And I want the viewers to know that I'm not looking for any type of popularity or fame or, or uh, finances off of this, what I'm doing. I feel this is a calling for me for what I do. Um, I locked up loved ones, the inventor of this podcast. Uh, like I said, I'm just running it out here while he's in there, um, you know, in his honor. So uh, it was just me and him that came up with this idea. And uh, I've been doing it since 2018, which is not very long. Uh, there's other activists that have been doing this longer than I have and got a lot more skills and, and whatnot going on. But I believe that two heads are better than one. I believe that if we can get all activists on board and be on the same page and do the same thing and, and, and stop the hate and the divide, uh, I think we can get a lot accomplished, a lot done and bring change to our system. Now I get, I can't change the world and that's not what I'm doing here, but for the viewers, if you have a locked up loved one, I will be their voice, period. I don't care what they're in there for or any of that. Um, I'm not biased. I'm not judgmental. I keep it real. Um, my, my stuff is uncut, unbiased. You know, there's no obligation to stay here and listen to my podcast. You can stay. If you don't like what you're hearing, you know, see you later. But the bottom line is I do what I do because I believe it's a calling and it's just and I enjoy it. I, get, I, I love helping people out. And that's why you're a guest here is we are here to educate the public. Um, we want to raise the awareness because we want to get rid of those misconceptions that the public has about the Department of Justice, about the legal system here in the United States. Without right. that education, we can't change what's going on. It, right. and, and I always say, if it was your grandmother in prison right now, or your father or your mother, would you want mm -hmm. them eating 
a quarter of what their nutritional needs are? Would you want them eating dirty food? Would you want them wearing dirty clothes? Would you want them to not have access to you? Those are the things that we really. Those are great points and great questions that some people just can't answer. You know, and I've, I've, I've come across people that can't answer those questions. They'll smile at you. And uh, if I may say this real quick, mm-hmm. we need to also stop the stigma of, oh, it's an inmate, you know, the, the fear mongling. Oh, it's an inmate, you know, oh, hey, we, we got to stay away from this guy. This guy's a bad guy. He's getting released. So watch your kids, you know, that type of, we got to stop the stigma. We got to stop the fear mongling. You know, these guys deserve second chances at life. If they get out, they should stay out. They should be. Um, you know, uh, productive in life like we are out here and they should enjoy their second chance at life, not get set up for failure. And that's what the Department of Corrections and everything in between does to these guys that get out. They get out, they're, they're handed nothing, no housing, no job, no money. And then how they expect to survive on their second chance. The only way they're going to survive is to commit another crime and go right back into the system. So what was the point? The bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, we ask all of you to be open-minded with the prisons themselves and the inmates in there and give people a second chance at life and not set them up for failure. And that's where I'm at with that. And I will stick with that. And that is one of the future podcasts that we will be looking at is the stigma, the rehabilitation, what is actually available versus um, what right. people think are available and what it looks like when you do get out of prison, how they are so at the bottom and no one will give them a chance to rebuild their life, even for minor crimes for, you know, yes, it was a crime, but it was minor. It was maybe they, you know, whatever they did, it was a minor crime, but here's what has always boggled my mind. And I think I said this to you before we started the interview um, when we were talking about this was you have major celebrities who have gone out and committed serious sometimes murder attempted murder they get (laughs) out they are back in their careers like nothing happened they've gained even more fame even more popularity absolutely average joe if he does something wrong if he has a lack of judgment let's not even talk about the wrongfully convicted his life is over and every place that he goes he's looked down on he's persecuted all over again he can't get a job. He can't get a job. He's looking over his shoulder. It's yep. not, we've got to really look at what we're doing to people. Right. And and you hit that on the nail. And if I may say this to add mm-hmm. what you said, um, the, the big wigs, the people, the, the Hollywood stars, the people that have a, you know, grip load of money, they get away with it because they have the money. They get, they get their chance, you know, their second chance at life because they have the money. And it's always about the good almighty dollar when it comes to our system. If you don't have the money, they know you're going to be back into the system or back into the prisons. They just know it, it's like a, I'm sorry to say this, but it's like a rubber band effect. You pull on it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back at you. So, it, you know, exactly. the, the system needs changed in so many areas. And it, I don't have enough time in one show to explain what needs to be reformed. We know clear across the board, if I can say this, clear across the whole entire board from a prison perspective or just the the law itself needs changed. Yes, we will actually be doing a future podcast and I will extend an 
uh, invitation to you. It is going to be Perfect. looking at a roundtable. We're going to have a roundtable. It's going to be looking at our system from juvenile all the way right. to- And that's where it you starts know. too right there. That's where it yeah. starts. We're going to look at the juvenile justice system. We're going to look at um, what it looks like when you're charged with a crime, the investigation, right. the police, the um, sentencing, what the courts look like, the, the guidelines, the guidelines. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. We're going to take a look at that. We're going to bring in people from all types, all interests, and even bring in a couple of people who have opposing opinions and have a roundtable discussion, but that will be a future podcast. And I will right now, Jay, um, extend that. Great. I'm, I'm looking to forward to that one. Yes. Yes. Right. I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> <laughs> and for once it will be done in a civilized manner there will be no screaming or yelling. It's listening to each side, which I think we forget to do. You right. know, I think we forget to and, listen to. Well, yeah, you know, and great point because, you know, we, we've lost all connection to a certain extent nowadays out here in the real world. We lost all, you know, dialogue, you know, mm -hmm. we need more dialogue. We need more people that actually will open their ears and listen instead of just, you know, I don't know, <laughs> be negative. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Mm -hmm. Please, please, please go to my um, legalponds.org. And we will definitely um, have all of your contact information on there. I encourage you to listen to Jay's podcast. Look him up on YouTube. Um, it's just a really enlightening program. And he too does what I'm doing. We advocate from soup to nuts regarding the justice system here in America. Any last words you would like to say before we uh, leave? And uh, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come on here. We have, when it comes to our prisons, I think a lot of the inmates that uh, hopefully hear about this too will be very thankful on this. That way their voice can be heard too as well through us. And uh, it's a great honor and a pleasure. And I'm just pleased that you got me to do this. Oh, good. Well, I'm so glad you were here. And um, again, to our viewers if you are, and our listeners, if you have any questions for myself or for Jay, you can always reach Jay on his podcast, his website, as well as our website. You can make direct contact with me. We hope you have a great day and stay safe out there, everyone. Thank you, everybody. And go check out my YouTube channel. I go there every time I can, anyways, and do my live videos there, including Facebook. So send me a friend request and I'll get you involved. This podcast of Legal Ponds is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice. If you need any guidance on your legal issues, please seek out the advice of a licensed lawyer. All thoughts, opinions, advice, and beliefs of our guests and or material presented are not necessarily reflective of the opinions, thoughts, and beliefs of Legal Ponds and any affiliates of Legal Ponds.